Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob, and I'm a Fuda fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. And this is episode 40. So, episode 40, I think it, it's like, I think the start of a new number in the front, you know, the, the, the digit changes, and I'm like, oh, that's so satisfying. <laughs> um, but also means that we're almost at,、uh, at two years, almost actually.、Uh, six more months ago, and we'll be at two years. So、um, I think that's a, you know, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And Jacob, you know who we have to thank for our accomplishments? I think you're going to say our listeners, and I fully agree with that. that that's right.、Um, it's, it's our listeners,、uh, and our listeners are just, you know, they're, they're, they're really generous with, with their time. Obviously, they, they take a. They take their time to listen to the podcast, but also with reviews, Jacob. They, they, they help us write reviews. I think the Japanese retailers, they should probably also be thankful, but they, they don't realize what we've done for them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I totally agree. <laughs> And today, let's read two reviews. By the way, we are running out of reviews, so we need everybody. To help us write reviews, we, we want you to write reviews for us. That's the best way to support us right now.、Um, and I'm going to read a review from a country that we usually don't talk about, which is France. This review is written in by Lido07 via Apple Podcasts. And,、um, and Lido07 says, What an eye opener and refreshing podcast. Five stars. Living in the south of France, your podcast is a gift. You are giving to us far away a nice and honest view of the rich stationery and pen market in Japan. I dream of traveling to your traditional, rich, and beautiful country where artisans are respected. I share your views on Chinese pens too. Please continue your good podcast. You should be sponsored by the Japanese Office of Culture. Well, Lido07.、Um, <laughs> I agree. We should be sponsored by the Japanese、uh, Office of Culture. They should pay us to, to talk more. And maybe if they paid us, we'll do this every week. <clears throat> <laughs> Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. Do you know of anybody in, a, in, a, in the office? That's where I don't have many contacts, unfortunately. We'll have to do something about that. Absolutely. We need to get the,、um, the pilot, sailor, and platinum. To form some kind of a, some kind of a, a business union. Sounds good. Anyways, thank you so much, Lido07.、Uh, we really, really appreciate our viewers you know, from all over the world. And、uh, I actually used to live in France for a bit as well. So, you know, whenever you come to Japan,、uh, do let us know, do send us a message. Yeah. The second review, which I think you're actually going to find kind of amusing, it's All Right by Pesky Russian via Apple Podcasts from Russia. Oh, okay. The title is It's All Right, five stars. Helps me keep my wallet nice and slim like a pedal of Tomoe 52 in mid March. Rumor has it at 666 reviews, we'll actually get a decent sized QA session. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? If, if we have that many reviews, we'll do a, we'll do a QA episode. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, those are、uh, the reviews for today. Once again, thank you all so much for writing these reviews. We really, really appreciate them.、Uh, keep them coming. That's the best way to support us.、Um, if you're not using a podcast and you're using some other kind of social media like,、uh, like Reddit or Facebook or Instagram or, or TikTok, tell people about us. You know, put a,、mm. Make us your Instagram stories, make us a Facebook post,、um, go to your fountain pen groups, you know, post about us in, in your private groups, in your public groups. Let people know that we are a resource that exists and,、uh, and that we give out free, free information about,、um, about Japanese、uh, stationery. Pretty much every two weeks. So、um, if, you, if you like us, if you like what we're doing,、uh, please do help us out. And,、uh, and we really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right.、Um, on to our main topic,、uh, main topics of the day.、Uh, Jacob, I know that last time、um, we spoke, you had just gotten some pens in from China. And then afterwards,、uh, Baini 
on Instagram dropped that she was releasing four new calligraphy nibs. Yeah. Um, and including the long-awaited gold nib yeah, yeah. from PenBBS. Now, I think I was the one that informed you. I said, hey, the nibs are dropped. But that was also at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I think you saw it like a few hours later. And I think, were all the gold nibs sold out already? Well, all the nibs were sold out at that point. So I had to wait a few more days. And then suddenly, like one morning, they, they were suddenly back in stock. And that's when I ordered them. And which ones did you get? So I got number three and number four. Okay. And you skipped number two. Well, so that was because number two was not was not in stock <laughs> at that point. Okay. <laughs> and the gold one, did you get the gold one? No, I didn't get a gold one either. So I got the gold one and I got number two, three, and four. Mm. And in hindsight, now I'm thinking maybe I should have gotten two gold ones because, uh, first of all, there are two different types of alloys even in the gold one there is the de and the z8 and i got the de which baini um on her post said that she felt was a bit more uh smooth um so i've not really had the opportunity to try them both yet Mm. um but i i was thinking i should probably also have gotten another one so that i can weld them together to make a super um, a super uh, pen BBS uh, uh, cross point or something. How much are the gold nibs? I, I never saw them because they were sold out. They're about a hundred dollars. They're 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 not super cheap, mm. but they're probably one of the cheapest gold nibs that you can find on the market. Because um, platinum has raised its prices now, so yeah. their base is one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, and so you know at about a hundred dollars. I think it's it's worth it because. The Pen BBS Gold Nib is actually bigger too. It's it's a bit longer. Yeah, a bit longer, and they have uh, obviously because they are these Naginata ish nibs. They have more tipping than you know your regular you know fine medium even even broad nibs, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think they, um, I think they could be a great alternative to to Yovo nibs. Yeah. Um, I and I believe that they should fit in the housing too. So. Um, anyways, I, I think they're they're fantastic. Um, I tried the the gold naginata mm. um, or the gold calligraphy nib, and my initial impressions is that it's fairly smooth on the regular writing, but the reverse writing was almost unusable. Mm. Which, by the way, is true with sailor's naginatas as well. Yeah, but I, I I did think that there was like this kind of feedback, so I did um, kind of polish it out mm. a bit before I I you know went on and used it. The the nib itself is quite bouncy. Mm. Um, it's got it's got a characteristics of a, of a nice gold nib. So I think you know kudos to them on the DE alloy. I think they really um, hit it out of the park. Mm. Uh, if they come out with, you know how the steel ones always have some uh, not always but they often have some kind of uh, cute engraving mm. on them like a, like a cat paws or you know like sakura leaves depending on what pen it is mm. if they do that on the gold nibs i think that could be very very popular because there aren't that many like designed gold nibs out there uh at least there's not like variation right if you sure. if you buy from one company then you know like okay that's just what that company does yeah whereas um whereas i think pen bbs has an opportunity uh here to to create something um cute but i'm not sure if gold nibs will be offered with pens because i think uh they probably will sell the gold nibs separately from the pens so so let's see but i think the gold nibs are a bit more than of a niche product i mean given the price i mean of course you can swap them on other pens but i think people who buy pen bbs nibs they probably buy them with the intention or many people buy them with the intention of using them on a pen bbs pen yeah right absolutely. so so it might not make sense to, to buy a hundred dollar nib and put on a twenty dollar pen. I think for like lovers of pen BBS, they'll mm. probably be okay with that. Yeah. Or like people like me who who are like gold nib snobs, mm. like I'm totally okay with paying the extra. But I think if you make the base pen like hundred and thirty dollars, then you're competing with somebody like a pilot, right? Mm. Like you're although the nib size is totally different, um, but that's in like a Wow, this pen is very expensive mm. range um, for for a lot of people. Mm. Whereas 
I think if they separate it and make the gold nib as an accessory, mm. uh, they can still market their pens as like very affordable um, products. Mm. And then for those who are a bit maybe um, deeper into into the hobby, yeah. will choose to go for the add-on. But basically, the steel nibs are like free, right? They, they, they basically come for free. Yeah, yeah. But and I think these steel calligraphy nibs. I mean, that that's the real like smash hit here. That, that's that's the real product that is most interesting because here you pay twenty dollars for something that at least I would argue is more interesting than anything you can get from factory from Jova or Bach. You know, steel or gold. You you get a really interesting grind and writing experience for twenty dollars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these steel nibs. It's not that. The steel nibs are bad, so you have to go for gold nibs. The steel nibs are really good, yeah. actually. Uh, and the variety that they put on these grinds is is quite interesting. Now, you have the three and the four, right? What do you think? Well, so so going back to number one first. So uh, we talked about number one before. I would describe that one as kind of a, a old-style Zoom, as we said, right? And I haven't tried number two yet, but based on photos from a friend of the show, Sophia and others, it looks like a broad architect to me. And it seems, I mean, that's what it seems like based on people's writing samples. Uh, let me skip number three for now. And number four is, I think, the most interesting one because to me, the number four calligraphy nib is the one that looks closest to me to a Sailor Naginata Togi at least. If I'm comparing my pen BBS calligraphy number two, number four to my Yukio Nagahara era Sailor Naginata MF, that tipping, that grind is quite similar. Now that I think is very interesting. Now going back to number three, that's the myst- mysterious one <laughs> because if you look at number three and. Um, it kind of looks again like number one in the sense that you have this sort of flat monoline zoom, old style zoom is grind. But then if you rotate it in the reverse, it looks like it's meant to be like a reverse architect, but it doesn't write like a reverse architect. In fact, it, it, you can't really write in reverse at all, but, but it looks like they tried to do something here. And I'm not sure what I tried to do with the number three grind. So I'm obviously looking at it as well i suspect that with the number three grind the the tip is actually going to be the sharpest um Mm. even though it doesn't look like that but the line that it produces probably when you when you flick it on the harai Mm. will actually produce the sharpest line so that's why they've kind of you know closed it out um like that on the number three the number two is semi like a an architect except that there's it's actually a triangular shape not a not a straight line shape mm. not like an eye shape but um i think if you you know don't really pay attention it might just be like a very um thick uh architect nib mm. what i really appreciate is that they really thought about the design mm. of each of these nibs and each of these tippings and it's been what a lot of i guess nib grinders have been saying forever Mm. but you can grind these kind of naginatas in various different ways i actually think that number four and number one number four looks like a earlier yukio nagahara era grind Mm. um and i think this reflects also similar to what his father did Except his father's was more, even more rounded at the front. Mm. But if you look at like, um, if you look at Nobuyoshi Nagahara's grinds, they're actually kind of flat. Mm. You know, they're they're like very, like a like a at the bottom of a boat. Mm. Number one resembles more of what he would do today, um, and I think that's quite interesting. Um, two and three, I think, are are, are pretty unique to to um to pen bbs and already you have you know lots of people in the chinese speaking uh fountain pen world mm. who are you know playing with these and i actually think it, it's a very good thing because you previously could not get naginata nibs uh in steel unless you unless you had a ground and even then most steel nibs don't even have enough tipping to do that exactly yeah and not only do they not have enough tipping but 
even if you go with a steel nib, the cost of buying a steel nib combined with the cost of sending it to, to a, a, a nib grind that is good enough to be yeah. able to do this. I mean, that that that's like four times the cost of a yeah, can be well factor. Well yeah, exactly, exactly. By the way, I uh, because I was so confused about the the, the number three nib, I I reached out to Bainy directly and I asked her, you know, what I, I told her, you know, I got these nibs, they're, they're all great, I love them, but I, I I don't quite understand what the number three is about. So, is there anything you know you can tell me about, you know, the the idea behind that grind? And and she replied saying that, but basically she she didn't know in detail, but she said that this is. This is really long, so you know, PenBBS mastermind, Mr. Long. This is this is just one of his many exper- experiments, and we are kind of guinea pigs because he is going to release over twenty, over twenty of these different calligraphy nib grinds, and the ones that are most popular are, are going to stay in their in the product lineups. So right now, we are we are effectively beta testers and uh, guinea pigs. I hope he does more in the gold nibs too. Mm. I'm I'm now thinking whether I should buy a bunch of gold nib ones, um, so that I can bring them back and weld them. By the way, one thing that I think is interesting about this pen BBS uh, Naginata style or calligraphy nibs is that it looks to me like the um, the tines are like a bit slimmer than on their regular nibs, which is also true with Sailor's Naginata nibs, right? So it's as if they, they did the same thing. I'm not sure if it's actually slimmer or if it's an optical illusion. So I'll need to I'll need to check after that. But I think on my profile, there is a picture of a steel nib um, pen BBS uh, that you took for me, actually, this picture. Mm. And I'm looking at it right now, and it does look like that is fairly thin as well. Yeah, we'll have to take some new photos and compare side by side. But at least it looks yeah. to me like like the the tines uh, are quite slim, which is one of the you know hallmarks of sailors snagging at the togi nibs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. Um, but last week, uh, and oh my god, I got so many messages about this. But last week, um, we both got an interesting postcard uh, in our mailbox. Yes, actually we got two, at least I got two of them. And this was... Yeah, I got two. This was rather confusing. And, and I only today finally understood. So starting next week, uh, next Wednesday, there's going to be not one, but two parallel um, like mini pen shows, like mini retail events at Marsden, both at their Nihonbashi store and another one at the same time at their Marunouchi Wazo store. So there are going to be two separate pen events next week. And this is, according to Marsden, I, I asked them today, this is the first time they're doing this kind of event in September. And, and what's interesting is that the... Um, as usual with these Marathon mini pen shows, they have like exclusive products, limited edition products. But the product lineup at Marathon in Nihonbashi and at Marunouchi is different. So only at Marunouchi uh, you can buy and you can pre-order and you can buy a new store exclusive pilot pen that is called Tokyo Renga. So Renga means like brick, right? And this is based on Pilot's custom 742, but it's sort of this red, uh, brownish brick color. And it has this uh, pattern on the barrel and on the nib, there's this like brick pattern. And the reason why it's called Tokyo Renga, they explained to me today, is that, um, you know, back in the day, most of the buildings around you know the Marunouchi area including you know the Tokyo station building was brick buildings so so this is a, a reference to how Marunouchi looked like in the past and that, that's why they also have this brick pattern on the nib so this is one of the exclusive pens and you can only reserve that one you can only buy that one at Marunouchi and it's 30,000 yen which I think was, I mean, given the recent price increases, even from Pilot, that seems fairly reasonable I for. Think that's yeah, 
and especially they have the guilloche pattern exactly so it's not just like a random like smooth barrel yeah pen they've actually done something extra to this i think that's fairly reasonable yeah and also only at marunucci you can get two new exclusive inks and um, yes so actually i went to nihonbashi today and i asked them about the inks and they said they don't think they're going to get those things in nihonbashi so probably only marunucci and the two inks are called um waka remon so like uh, uh young no not young and young lemon <laughs> young lemon <laughs> um and which is uh not an not an yellow ink but a green ink as i saw saw today so, right. so i went there today and they had it inked up in one of those brush pens and it was this light green a little bit like pilot's green that that, that kind of style uh, and the other one is called marinucci oasis and that one is like a light blue ink mm-hmm. so that's the the lineup at marinucci do you want to talk about the nihonbashi ones uh sure i think i actually threw away the postcards <laughs> um but i um at nihonbashi there's actually going to be a few more and i think it's quite curious that they actually split yeah um shishikura's time this time uh because shishikura actually at um at nihonbashi will get an exclusive sailor yeah but that exclusive sailor is actually um, it's actually not theoretically a collaboration with uh, with um, with Marizen. Mm. It's actually just a Sunrise Trading edition that they're going to sell at Marizen. Yeah. So I think that's that's fairly like strange mm. um slash interesting i mean I- i'm okay with it i guess but uh by itself it wouldn't be anything strange at all but what's weird about it is that they're actually going to release at the same time another pen uh which is the compass at nihonbashi so normally what would happen is that shishikura will sell her pens when when she is there yeah but this time because the pen fair is happening at the same time you actually have to go to both stores in order to get both of them and what's interesting is that the amount that you can pre-order differs by the store so i was able to as you would know (laughs) yeah as i would know um, I was able to pre-order more pens at um, at Marunouchi versus um, versus Nihonbashi. Actually, I was able to order four times more in in uh, in Marunouchi. So I think it's a uh, it's it's interesting in that sense that you know when I asked her, "Hey, can I pre-order through you?" Shishikura actually told me, "Sorry." Because we have to deal with both of these stores, you have to pre-order with the with the mm. with the store. Um, so there's that, but there's also a few more. Um, I think Ohashido and Eboya. Yeah, so the Eboya one, to be honest, isn't too exciting to me. It's just I think it's a new, maybe a new Ebonite color. It's some dark green and black color. But other than that, it's just a, a, a sort of regular Hakobune M size. The Ohashido one is really interesting. The, the shape is... I'm not sure how to describe it. You, you've seen them, right? Yeah, I, I've seen it. That's why I'm like, hmm, all right. Um, but the the... How would you describe the, the the shape of these pens? Other than funky, right? <laughs> so like a, like a b- baseball <laughs> bat or something. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's kind of like that flower vase from from Opus eighty eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But this one is a lot more expensive than Opus eighty eight. It's one hundred right. and ten thousand yen. But there are only three of each. I'm not sure if it's three of each color or three in total. I think it's three of each color. So, um, and I, I've had a bunch of messages, people asking me on on um, 
Instagram about this pen. So clearly there's there's an interest, but yeah, these are very expensive pens. Yeah, they are also Urushi pens, right? Yeah, it looks like some Ishime type design. Yeah, they, they look nice, but again, 110,000 yen. Yeah. Um, but, but I think we, we I think we talked about that last time. We talked about these um, annual Marzen pen show that they almost always yeah. have uh, Ohashiro pens, and and I think they always sell out because they seem to have a lot. There seems to be a loyal following, you know, Ohashiro. They always buy the pens. Yeah, and um, it's also very rare to find Ohashiro out in the wild, yes, anyways. Exactly. So. For people who like Ohashito, this is the this is an opportunity um, for them to go out and get that. Did 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 they tell you why they're having this event? No, I, all all they told me is that this is the first time that they're doing it. I I, I should have asked more questions, but uh, yeah, this was this is the first time they're doing one. May I don't know I, if you look at. They have this like flyer, uh, not just the ones yep. that we got, but, but this one with more details. And some of the stuff they are selling seems to be leftovers from previous events. I wonder if they have some inventory that they need to clear. So I'm curious as to what this means for the industry. They're going to have more events because for, for years now, we've actually been seeing less and less events, right? Mm. Like the Mitsukoshi um, you know, they they basically pulled out of the circuit. Um, and originally we were supposed to have a second Itoya at um, at Mitsubishi, but you know that fell out, mm. um, uh, fell out of the plans. And then um, we got the news that Marizen was doing Yonenichido uh, Ogata Evento, right. so like the, the massive event every four years, and we kind of got freaked out, um, but. I think it, it just meant that they're going to do an event every year and then e- every fourth year they're going to do something like bigger mm. in terms of celebration. Um, but I think it is very fitting for Marzen to be the one that says, hey, we're going to actually bring more events uh, around Fountain Pens um, back to Japan. And I, I, I actually I actually like that. I like that a lot. Me too, for sure. I mean, who wouldn't like more events? Like, when you go normally to Marzen, Unless there's an event going on, there's not much like rotation. They don't really have that many. I mean, it's very different from going to Okamotoya where they have a whole like 50 new uh, tone and limb things every week, right? You go to to Marosen from one week to another, nothing has really changed, right? So I think this is a very um, it's it's very good that they have these events where they have some new products. Yeah, and when I consider the clientele of Marosen. I think the kind of products that they brought is actually very apt. Yeah. But um I wonder I bet the pilot sold out first. Yeah, well they they're still at least as of earlier today they're still available because I I pre-ordered another one. Uh but yeah, I agree that I agree that uh, the one that is most likely to sell out first is the pilot's Partially because, you know, as, as we talked about before, the pilots always sell out fast, uh, the ones to yep. sell out first. But also, as Alessa pointed out, and I, I, I agree, the, the pilot pen is the only one, I, it's actually the most affordable one. Like, there's the only one that is some kind, kind of within range for most people. All the other ones are kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the snow one, um, I guess it's called, uh, what is it called? Saihyo? Um, that one, they sold out of Zooms already. That, and, uh, and you had nothing to do with that, of course. It may or may not have <laughs> been me. Uh, so, anyway, but just, that's... Uh, but just one more thing ahead. about the, the Shikura pants. Because last time, I think the last one they had was this, our... I would describe it as the the egg and konyaku pen, the previous Shichikura pen. That one didn't sell out for months, right? So, so which egg and konyak pen? The the previous Shichikura pen, which had this like yellow cap and sort of gray oh. brownish barrel with some some glitter, right? 
Okay. They, okay. They had that one for many months. Meanwhile, the uh, the green pilot pen just sold out like, immediately. Yeah, but then the uh, Yu Momiji that sold out pretty quickly. Ah, maybe it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's yellow with uh, with the red um, body. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think they were still available at the show. Maybe that that's what you were saying. Yeah, they had them on this display case for for many months after the event. Yeah, well, I hope um, I hope they will sell out very quickly. <laughs> Please, I need them to sell out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I can't remember what the price was last time. I think we, I mean, I feel like we have been sort of now sort of conditioned to accept these new sailor prices because I, if this was one year ago, I would have thought that. 49,000 yen for a pro gear would be absolutely outrageous and it is kind of outrageous but it's not we, we're no longer at the point where the shishikura pens are significantly more expensive than you know your other uh, quote-unquote regular limited edition pens from other from other stores right for a pro gear that is very sought after this is kind of reasonable by by 2021 standards there, there's been a fifty dollar increase in in the latest ones, but the the market for sailor limited editions because there's so many and so many of them are rare. I think are you know like I'm selling some of these pens, so I'm happy about it. But the prices I think are a bit out of control. I I don't see why. Um, I, I wish that they would rein in the prices a bit because for this money you can you can get um you can get like one and a half Mont Blanc one forty nines on the second hand market. Yeah. I talked before about how I think, you know, the conins are like Bitcoin of becoming these like speculative assets and I think these say the pro gears are heading in that direction as well. I, I think there are a lot of people who buy them to resell and 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 prices go up every time that they change hands and you know it's it's more about gambling less about using the pens and that that's a bit sad i guess mm. i mean i'm not entirely uh innocent in that but you know i i, I think i i would like for people who who buy the pens from me to use them and you know that's one of the reasons why i only i mainly now only sell pens with grinds um and if they say they don't want to grind i say me then uh you know you should buy it through like uh um like a white rabbit or something right all right so that was a that was a long segment on marzen um we've got a lot of other topics as well but um few things about platinum actually platinum is discontinuing their platinum president Line. And Jacob, I know you've used a few of these presidents before. What's your opinion about that? So I always prefer the president over the 3776 because it's just a little bit more girthy and just a bit more comfortable in my hand. And I, I tend to prefer the president nibs as well. And so I'm a bit curious about what this discontinuation means for the nibs because in addition to the president they're using these 18k nibs also as, uh, for all their, their their the line of izumo pens you know the the, the thick the fancy urushi pants i assume they're going to keep it but i'm still a bit curious about that especially considering that nakaya for whatever reason they don't use the president nibs they use the quote-unquote lower end uh, 3776 nibs yeah um i think the shape is also a little bit different right they are actually surprisingly similar. I mean, they, they look different because of the engraving, but they are surprisingly mm. similar side by side. Yeah. Um, but speaking of nib changes, Platinum, our, our favorite uh, Oyaji mm. blogger came up with some uh, interesting findings. Yeah. So, I mean, he has, we talked a lot of times about this before, but he has a, a blog that is quite well known in our little pen community here and where he posts his opinions and thoughts about fountain pens and he wrote a recent post about how he was um, doing nib adjustment on the most recent 
Wagner 2021 pens and he found them to be a little bit more stiff than or a little bit more difficult to widen the, the tine gap for example than on other earlier Platinum C776 snips. He was wondering what's going on there so he was he measured the weights and he found that this 2021 Wagner C776 snips they were 70 grams and by comparison, the previous years, the Wagner 2020 nibs were 65 grams. And then he took one of his older, like regular Platinum 3776 nibs. And that one was 60 grams. So, and he said he measured like 10 different, 10 times. And he used some like precision equipment. So this is all very precise numbers. So he is arguing that, that Platinum 3776 nibs are getting thicker heavier uh, and his theory seems to be and i'm not sure sure if i agree but he seems to think that this is all about um increasing customer satisfaction and he argues that this might be why platinum is increasing prices i don't know about customer satisfaction um if it's actually harder to adjust and that seems to uh, be the wrong direction um, but I must imagine it has something to do with the alloys right like it must be that they're experimenting a bit with different alloys mm. um, because the size of the nib has to be the same because the feed is the same you would think so yeah exactly and therefore it must be the composition which is changing the weight if it's true but that that was very interesting. I found that uh, that quite uh, fun, and I think it's almost like a throwback to the olden days where Mori Blog was a source of information. But then the very next day, he posted about the new Waldman pen. Well, he has had a few other interesting posts recently. One was, for example, um, so we talked recently about it. Kind of seemed like from one of his recent emails that we're not going to get any more Wagner. 3776 pens, right? Turns mm-hmm. out that is not actually the case. Uh, what he's right, what he wrote recently was that he could only do one of them this year. Uh, previously, he's done two 3776 models per year, but this year in 2021, because Platinum was so busy, the, you know, the, the factory capacity was at its max or whatever, he could only do one, but he will do another Platinum 3776 Wagner pen next year so we know that uh which i think is going to please a uh, friend of the show for freya <laughs> among other people yes. uh, so that that's yes, absolutely that's good news the other thing he said which is particularly interesting given what you just said about the president he is saying that next year's uh, anniversary pen for his pen clinic is going to be a platinum president again so we'll see if that um if that can be the case. Mm. Yeah, but certainly something uh, to watch out for. For sure. And um, kind of rolling off of Platinum, I published a new article on Nakaya uh, recently. Yeah. And um, have you read it? I have read it. I have some thoughts, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, I-, I did think that it's quite interesting, the history of Nakaya, because... A lot of people think of Nakaya as this super high-end brand, you know, really, really expensive. And I remember, and I'm sure, Jacob, you remember a time where Nakaya was actually considered the affordable um, Urushi uh, brand, right? I mean, you could buy a Nakaya for $300, $400 Mm. um, just less than a decade, less than a decade ago. So it was very interesting for me to see, like, the astronomical rise in prices of Nakaya and it seems like the the higher it goes, the more popular it is. There's also been, of course, a lot of complaints that recently Nakaya's quality has been um, has been a bit slack. Uh, you often get these like little air bubbles, particularly in the section of the pens. Um, and I've personally seen uh, a few already. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to dig into the history of Nakaya, and I, I found some interesting. Uh, interesting tidbits. So, you know, before you started your blog, before I started my my uh, my website, before we started the podcast, uh, one of the only 
uh, places that you could get information on Japanese pens in English was the blog of Ross Stutler. Right. And I mean, Ross Stutler, I, he, he's a big deal. You know, he, he introduced a lot of information uh, to the West about Japanese brands. But I didn't realize that almost single-handedly, you could credit Nakaya's like survival to Ross Stutler. <laughs> because um, back when Nakaya was first formed, uh, you know, the business wasn't doing particularly well. Mm. And... Ross Stutler bought one of these celluloid pens, which, by the way, um, those Nakaya celluloids have now become part of Platinum's uh, series. But, you know, back then they were they were hand-turning celluloid pens, and Ross kind of, um, you know, using his ability to, to speak in English, but also be in Japan, uh, introduced this new Nakaya brand uh, to to the Western audience via... Um, the online form Pentrace, which sadly no longer exists. And, you know, from then, just in, in a few years, the user composition of Nakaya changed from almost 100% in Japan to now more than half are, are outside of Japan. So I did really want to dig deep into that history. And I found that it was pretty interesting that we now know Nakaya as, oh, the Urushi uh, fountain pen mm. manufacturer. But in fact, they neither started out making Urushi pens, nor was the idea for making Urushi pens even something from an employee of Nakaya. It was actually from their customers. So mm-hmm. I won't blather on more and more, but you know, read the article if you, if you would like to learn more about Nakaya. I think it's uh, it's really interesting history here, and I'll probably do more around the other brands as well. So I think the vast majority of our listeners have never heard of Ross Stutler and that's not very surprising <laughs> because he just disappeared from the scene right? I mean we know that he 17 had, years ago right we know that he has an Instagram account I think he's posting like some drawings or whatever but he is yeah. not at all involved in the pen community as far as I can tell uh, which is very interesting yeah. but yeah when you go back to his old blog post you see photos of of you know some people we now know at Wagner and others when they were a lot young, younger <laughs> than they are now. So it's interesting to look at his his blog. The other thing I would say is you know I read your article and it's very it's it's good research, very interesting. I can't help help wondering though if you sort of use this partial as a way to a vehicle to deliver your your criticism about the nibs.com again (laughs) i put that at the at the very very end because i do want people to know how you can get music nibs on your nakayas there there's a there's a proper way and there's an improper way and if you do the improper way that's fine right but you will certainly not enjoy any kind of warranty from Nakaya mm. because Nakaya does guarantee their pens supposedly for your life. So um, so that's, you know, if, if you want to do it one way, mm. that's totally up to the, 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 the user or the buyer. But I think the buyer needs to know that when they do it that way, there, there are some risks that, that are involved in that. So I don't really actually mind um, how nibs.com does this exchange probably if somebody asked me to to fit the music nib onto a regular regular platinum feed I would I would have to do the same because there's no way to do to do it otherwise right like the the methodology is is correct um, the older feeds don't fit in the modern don't fit in the modern sections so so really there's no other way the question is are you aware of that or not right and um I think it's fine, but for sure, just getting that information out there that when you do, it does carry some kind of risk. Right. Uh, that's uh, that's still an important uh, important thing to to note. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, but otherwise, what, what else did you find about? Uh, what else did you think about the article? I mean, you you post uh, it's the same same for me, but you know, once every blue moon, <laughs> once a year. right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, but, but it, it was well researched, and um, yeah, I think uh, people w- would like to see more of that. What do you think about the visit to Chicago and particularly 
with John Modishop because I know that a lot of people had asked me why why is nips.com the the sole retailer? Why are they the um official retailer? And, you know, they're actually not, but um but they are the in <laughs> fact the only place that you can buy uh retail nakaya pens and you know that John Modishop basically taught them how to make stubs and how to make italics. What do you think about John Modishop's kind of um knowledge sharing and how do you think that that impacts them i i'm not not sure i'm not sure about that but but is is are you saying that nibs.com is the only retailer in the u.s or like worldwide in the u.s okay because you have in like yeah. singapore like aesthetic bay and others yeah for king i think so mm. yeah there, there are a few like elsewhere but in the u.s because the u.s is their biggest market right you'd expect them to have more retail presence yeah, I'm curious about that because surely other retailers would have, I mean, if they know that Nakai is a popular brand, they would approach Nakai and at least try to get a deal yeah, done. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yep. Um, all right. And then we have some, uh, we have some Techo and Plotter uh, topics because I think last week or yeah. the week before, I, I really don't remember, but... Um, but Brad and Mike were talking about these plotters yeah. because congratulations again to April from Penguins Creative, uh, who's now kind of spearheading Plotter in the U.S., mm. but Plotter USA has officially launched at the San Francisco Pen Show. So really kudos to, to the team mm. there who's bringing, um, who's bringing this amazing product out to the U.S. Yeah, so, so I wanted to talk about this because we have, uh, on a number of occasions, on this podcast, we have talked about these like, system techo planners, and I think that, uh, the interest from our listeners has probably been uh, lukewarm at best because there hasn't been a really good way to buy these Japanese system techo planners outside Japan, right? Uh, but that has changed now, as you say, because uh, plotters now available in the US, EU, at least outside Japan, was recently launched, right? And now you see suddenly everywhere on Instagram these, you know, influencer unboxings and like reviews, and people are asking, you know, what is this thing? What is a plotter? Is this, is this an all new product category? What do I compare it to? You know, how do I use this thing? So, for that reason, I want to, to sort of go back a little bit to our previous discussions and I just sort of summarize, you know, what, what this is. So these system textual plans, they're not, I mean, they didn't originate in Japan, which I think you, you mentioned on like on a tweet or something, but Japan sort of took the concept and ran with it in a way, right? Because it's a very popular product category here in Japan now. And you have these, like the major brands are like Da Vinci, Ashford, Knox, Bindex and this new relatively newcomer plotter. And by the way, despite the English sounding <laughs> or uh, European sounding names, perhaps these are all Japanese brands or brands by Japanese yep. uh, companies. And some of them have been around for a long time. So like Da Vinci, which I think is the most popular one. So if you go to Amazon's uh, rankings, Da Vinci is, is, is the best seller of, of all of these. And Da Vinci has been around for well over 30 years. I think some of that has also been been around for quite a long time. By comparison, I think Plotter is like a five year or like it, it by system teacher planners, it's a newcomer, right? Uh, and the the concept is that you buy these like ring binders. They're usually leather. Sometimes they're fake leather, but usually leather. And then you buy all kinds of inserts, and the inserts. Or like refills, they range from like schedule, like monthly, weekly schedule, daily. You have like contact and address book kind of inserts, and you have regular like notebook type paper with you know lined or gridded paper, or even a dust grid. You have this plastic card, like business card holders, like guide sheets, rulers, all kinds of refills, and they're. What's interesting is that they're all compatible, like within the size. So you have a few major sizes. You have the A5 size, and you have a slightly smaller Bible size, which I think is the same size as Filofax calls the personal size. And then in recent years, you had a, like a few more sizes, like the Mini 5, Micro 6, 
narrow and there's this one called hb times wa5 that i covered on a recent episode and so the point about the compatibility is that you can buy your plotter binder and you can buy some paper from ashford and you can buy some rulers from Knox, and you can buy some uh, in other inserts from uh, from bindex and it all works and that that's the, you know, the the modular aspect of it right yeah and um you know we we kind of you kind of talked a little bit about um you know all of these brands and it's actually a bit surprising to me that these products aren't at least like a little bit more known mm. In the West, because when I grew up, these things were called filofaxes. Mm. Just like how, you know, you, you would call like a ballpoint pen like a BIC, because filofax, which is a British company yeah. or a UK company, actually invented this product in 1921. Mm. Now, the difference between filofax and the rest of these companies that you're talking about now is that Filofax has basically a few sizes, right? They have they have the A5, they have personal, they have pocket, they have mini. Mm. But um, I think the Japanese brands they came out with even a little bit more variety, yeah. Um, while keeping in the system. Mm. Now I used to work for a luxury brand, um. And we actually sold these products. Mm. And funnily enough, well, I guess it's obvious, but I think Japan was the most successful market mm. for these. So if you go on Mercari and you look for System Techo and then like a Louis Vuitton or something, you'll find hundreds mm. of Louis Vuitton um, personal organizers or, or System Techos. So I, I'm a bit more surprised because Plotter is now kind of re-pioneering this category yeah. in the U.S. As, uh, 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 at least in the small circle of stationary addicts mm. here. Why do you think Plotter of all companies were able to do that? While, you know, as you discussed, there's already been so many other brands out there and even foreign companies who are making uh, or overseas companies who are making these products. Yeah, that that is a good question. And... Um... Because the the company behind the Plotter design field, they have two brands, right? They have Plotter and they have Knox. And Knox is actually the more popular of the two. Again, going back to Amazon's sales rankings, you see uh, Plotter ranks, sorry, uh, Knox ranks pretty high. So that is the more popular of the two brands. What I think Plotter has going for it is it's a little bit like some of the others, they are very. How do you describe it? like salaryman type businessy? Right. I think mm-hmm. the plotter has a more sort of modern aesthetic, and they are more. And I hate using this word because it's so overused, but minimalistic. Right. I think what sets mm. plotter apart from, you know, a, your normal like Ashford or Da Vinci, there's just less going on. Right. You have your leather cover. You have these uh, relatively small rings. They're not the only ones with the small rings, but but they all have the small rings and, and that's it and then you you build whatever you want on top of that with all kinds of inserts but you don't get all kinds of like uh, pen sleeves and and pockets and stuff inside the the binder itself and i think uh, that that's a that that makes it look a bit more i don't know uh, appealing i think to people someone who's not already used to to system touch your planners yeah so i have my um my gucci uh ring binder here my uh personal organizer here and the rings are probably like 10 times bigger than the ones in plotter Mm. so i I definitely do agree on on that point and the second point is that um a lot of these personal organizers used to have a um a uh pencil holder a pen exactly yeah but these pen holders are so small that you can only put very slim ballpoint pen yeah. here. You couldn't put a Pilot G2 in here, yes, for example. Exactly. Um, so that's probably why people who are kind of a bit more passionate about their stationery mm. uh, wouldn't have known this product. And the second thing is that um, the plotter also lies flat, 
whereas the personal uh, the personal organizer that I have, it has this buckle, but the buckle part kind of curves back in, so it is a little bit hard to write with. So it's good for like jotting down notes, um, but a plotter allows you to actually sit down and and write even longer periods of time. Mm. So I think that's pretty cool. The inserts that plotter brings, like the um, like the project manager. Mm. Like there, that's where their innovation is, in my opinion. Yeah, but again, you don't have to go with a plotter's insert. I think right now, and I think that's part of the confusion when the product launched in the US, because maybe in the US, unless you go to perhaps, you know, JetPens, you're not going to find, you know, DaVinci inserts or like Knox inserts. Right. So it it looks like if you're not, if you don't know, if you don't know what a system tattoo is, it looks like you're supposed to buy everything from Plotter. And I agree that Plotter has some interesting inserts, but they don't have the best paper and, and they don't have, you know, some of the most interesting, you know, uh, indexes and guide sheets and so on. Yeah. Um, and Brad Dowdy and Mike Hurley, they asked this question. They said, so are you only able to get these in leather? And at that time, the answer was yes. Mm. But Jacob, now I've sent you a uh, a link to an Instagram post, and you mentioned already that Plotter is owned by Designfill, who also owns Knox. Yeah. And Knox is, you know, they're basically their most popular brand. Yeah. Um, by Amazon sales, well, Plotter and Knox are now collaborating. Um, and they're actually going to come out with a. Linen, um, linen filing binder, mm. and they've already plotter has a linen filing binder already. But the difference is that the plotter, uh, and I actually have it right in front of me. This binder, it's pretty huge, and it's obvious that you're not supposed to carry this around. Mm. But these ones that I see on um, this Instagram post looks much more portable, and potentially could mean that you can actually use. Uh, a system tetra that's not leather. So have it with me here, and the 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 binder that they already have, um, it's clearly just made for you to. It's clearly just made for you to, uh, to store stuff because yeah. the rings. First of all, there's no rings, and second of all, it's kind of like facing the wrong mm. way, so it's in order to protect what's written inside. These new ones are clearly made so that you can actually write with them mm. while they're still in the binder. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I actually I kind of want one because the one of the barriers of entry outside of, you know, you could only buy these in Japan was that plotters are very expensive. But again, this depends on your perspective because they're not outrageously expensive or they're not they're not the most expensive system to choose, right? Again, even even Knox are usually at least as expensive, right? And Ashford has some real expensive ones. Da Vinci has some real expensive ones. Yeah, but then like you're still asking like 150 to almost 200 dollars, depending on the on the leather, yeah, for just the outside, right? And unless you're kind of committed to a system techo, which a lot of people in Japan are, mm. so it's okay. Um, but if you're in the West and you've never used mm. System Techo, you see this like $200 product, you think, well, am I going to like it? Mm. Uh, this new product is $50. Yeah, and this is similar to, and I think that that's what you meant also, like all of these System Techo uh, makers, they sell these binders where, where you're supposed to put the paper you finished writing, right? So previous year's uh, inserts, uh, so like for storage, right? right? But what, what I think what some people do is that it, when they just get into the system, they buy those like binders for storage and use as their main one as a way to sort of try out the system. Uh, but I guess yeah. uh, looking at this new plotter product, that just looks more sort of attractive than your you know semi-translucent plastic uh, one from Ashford, right? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a nice looking one. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the paper, though, because I, I think I think there was a lot of excitement about the, this this plotter paper. Um, uh, but I think, as we talked about before, there's a whole category of what I would call like techo paper or like planner paper in Japan. And of course, the most well-known one uh, overseas is uh, Tomoe River, and there's no 
there's no coincidence that you know the common 52 GSM Tomo River is actually called Tomo River Techo. That is, that is the official name of the product, right? And that is the, actually the official uh, like the paper used by Da Vinci. So if you go to your sto- to like Marzen or whatever, and you go and buy Da Vinci refills, the paper is going to be Tomo River 52 GSM. And by the way, even today, that is widely available. You, you can buy as much Da Vinci refi- Tomo River refills as you want today. That's easy to find. But the, all the other ones that have their own style, their own kind of Techo paper that is similar to Tomo River, but not quite Tomo River. So, so for example, um, uh, both Knox and Plotter they use the same paper, it's called a DP, it's a Design Fields DP paper, which I think stands for Design Field Pocket. I think that's, that, that's the uh, idea behind the name. But that is a Tomo River-like paper. It, it's, it's a coated thing that has sort of, sim- it's not quite the same, but has similar properties. And then Bindex uh, uses the same paper as these popular Nolte planners which, which are now by the way i see more and more people on instagram talking about nolte that seems to be becoming popular at least elsewhere in asia and um, yeah so both bindex and nolte they have a type of paper which they haven't named i, I can't find the name for it they just call it the, you know, their original techo paper which again is tomo river like but not quite tomo river um yeah. And then Ashford has their own, which, by the way, is terrible. We're not going to talk more about Ashford's paper. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yes. Uh, and then um, uh, Coquio has their thin paper, which we talked about uh, before, which is not really a system to show paper, but it's planet paper. So just quickly, I, I went today to, to Marathon and bought all of these different papers and did some quick tests because I've already tried all of these papers. All of them. Yeah, I yeah, tried all, all of them these. separately, but I've never done like a side-by-side comparison, right? Uh, so I wanted to do that, and I, I did my usual stress tests where I, you know, use uh, nibs or coarse nibs with ebonite feeds and all kinds of problematic, like feather-prone inks. So uh, just to really see at what point, you know, you, you see feathering and bleed through. And I did a few quick tests, and I would say, based on my tests, perhaps not too surprising, the paper that makes the ink looks the best is still Tomo River 52 GSM out of all of these. And uh, that's probably to no one's surprise, but a very close, very close second place is actually a Kokuyo's thin paper. It, it has really pronounced shading and, and it looks quite vibrant. The only problem with the Kokuyo's thin paper is you turn a page and you sometimes with certain inks see a little bit of bleed through but also what Tomo River and Kokyo thin paper have in common is that ink dries very slowly and depending on how you use your planners that might be a major drawback at the other end of the spectrum uh, both this DP paper the plotter and Knox paper and this Bindex paper the Nolte paper they, they are very similar in that they ink dries very fast but it also looks a little bit more sort of flat. Flat in the sense that you see like you, the shading is not quite as pronounced and you can kind of see more of the uh, sort of paper fibers on, on the page when it, when it's dry. But it ink dries much faster, so you could argue that it's more suitable for a planner like on the go. Um, so that, that was sort of my test. So I would say if you were to compare this, this plotted DP paper to Tomo River, I would say... Ink does look better on Tomo River, but ink dries faster on DP plotter paper. So it's probably more practical for like daily planner use. Yeah. So the next step is a B7 Tranex. Yeah, but that's, I would not call that Techo paper because it's a little bit thicker. But, the, thicker. but that's what, yeah. what I use myself. And, and that actually goes back to one of the advantages of system Techo. Right? You can buy paper cutter and a hole punch and you can make whatever refills you like. So I use right. an Ashford, this square shaped HB times WA5 and I cut my own B7 Tranex refills. That's what I enjoy using. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there, there are so many different like mm. other papers out there. We've tried like the Haguruma cotton paper. Mm. Um, there, there's like a bunch of different papers out mm. there. Honestly, like if you go into Maruzen, like you're going to find rows and rows of paper that's 
cut for system tetra. And actually, one more thing about that. Um, because this is like a modular system, but everything is compatible, uh, you see Tetra papers, so like um, uh, paper with, with, with holes cut, sold not just by these planner makers, but also by other like uh, notebook makers as well. And in fact, if you go to Amazon and look at sales rankings for the refills, for the inserts, the most popular Tetra refill is not by any of these brands, it's by Life. So life, yeah. the life, the company behind these noble notes and the paper pads and whatnot, they make the most popular, according to Amazon's rankings, the most popular techo paper in Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, these things are, are, are great products. You know, the modularity is is the reason why I think it's so popular. You can, if you don't like it or if you, if you, you know, did a page that you don't like, just throw it out, go to the next page. And yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, opportunity. So I hope this product gets the recognition that it deserves yeah. um, in the Western market as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I think we're pretty much out of things to say, even though we've been going on and on for about 70 minutes now. <laughs> so listeners, if you're still with us, thank you so, so much for being here with us again. Uh, remember, please share the podcast with your friends. Please post about us on those fountain pen Facebook groups um, that you have, those WhatsApps, those uh, those TikToks, uh, you know, anywhere that you have a fountain pen friend, we want you to talk to them about us uh, because that's the way that this all works. That's the way that this grows, and it's free. It's free to to listen to us, and you know, we're obviously very happy to bring content to you, but. We need your help to grow the podcast. So once again, please help us out on that. And it really means a lot to us. And if you can, do write a review as well. And we will read it on the podcast. And maybe one day we'll do more Q&As. Yeah, maybe one day we'll do more <laughs> Q&As. Uh, maybe 666 reviews is, is too, it's too um, easy, let's say. Because uh, we're eventually going to get there, right? What, what if we do like 666 patron, um, patron subscribers yeah. when we have one? Yeah, we first need a patron. Yeah. yeah, first we need a patron. All right, and with that, you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at fudafan.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.